This episode is brought to you by Sax.com. At Sax.com, it's easy to find your new vibe. Dive into the Western trend with gold cowboy boots from Stott. Or go full 90s throwback with platforms from Prada. You can shop for everything on your agenda. Whether it's a breezy Zimmerman dress for a garden party or a bright Chloe blazer for brunch. Find inspiration for your new vibe. Every day at Saks.com. Is anybody else way too old and has too many kids to be this invested in Bama Rush TikTok? Hi, I'm Rachel Hampton. And I'm Madison Malone Kircher. You're listening to ICYMI. In case you missed it. Slate's podcast about internet culture. Oh my God, don't do that. You're not from the South. (laughs) I just had to get it out of my system. Rachel, you want to tell us a little about your OOTD, your outfit of the day? Absolutely love to. Um, My shirt is from L Train Vintage. The shirt under it's from American Eagle. The tattoo is from when I was kicked out of my apartment for six months because I didn't have a fire escape and didn't have to pay rent. And um, my earrings are just normal. What about you? (laughs) I'm not going to do it in the accent. Um, (laughs) My sports bra is from Target seven years ago. My earrings are just AirPods, jeans from Madewell, uh, Birkenstocks from Birkenstock. This is harder than I thought it was going to (laughs) be. Also, you're wearing jeans in this heat. I'm I'm impressed. (laughs) They're very stretchy. All right, in case you couldn't tell, it's Rush Week, y'all, which means I may or may not slip into the Southern accent. And because it's Rush Week. We've been waiting for you all summer, and we're so glad you're finally here. At schools all over the country, more specifically, schools in the South, and even more specifically, the University of Alabama being broadcast live to us on TikTok, it is Rush Week. And for those of us who are not 18-year-old college first years wearing very specific outfits and (laughs) perfect wand curls in our hair and Steve Madden wedges, the sudden onslaught of TikTok content from the ladies of Bama Rush, sorry, I mean recruitment, (laughs) this might seem like it's coming out of left field, but it's actually deeply unsurprising that this is what the TikTok algorithm glommed onto and decided to launch into mega white lady virality this week. Today, we're going to give you a crash course in sisterhood. Delta who? Delta variant, because no one in these fucking videos is wearing a fucking mask. (laughs) But because this is ICYMI after all, we're also going to get into something profound about the internet. Also, (laughs) I just want to shout out the multiple listeners who requested this episode. I'm so glad we could give you the content your heart desired. Okay, everybody, polish your lavaliers, iron out the wrinkles in your Princess Polly, and clutch your pearls this is going to be fun. I mean, Madison, you were in a sorority, weren't you? I was. Mm-hmm. I was. That is true. <laughs> but. Oh, of course, it's a but. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. I was in the type of quote unquote sorority that the women we're about to talk about today would laugh at. It was not national, meaning it's not recognized by the Panhellenic Conference, the big governing body for sororities. It was essentially a club at my very tiny college founded by some women in the 90s who realized they could get money from the school for, I don't know, beer if they called themselves a sorority, which Mm. you got to respect. Honestly, I do respect that. We love to fleece beer money out of our university. So yes, I rushed a sorority. I pledged a sorority, but it was very, very different. 
in some ways better, in some ways worse than what we're talking about today. Well, despite the very large caveat you just gave us, I'm still going to make <laughs> you take us through this. As a Southerner, I spent about seven, eight years in Texas, including high school and middle school. I understand the Alabama of it all, but the Panhellenic Council of it all is a, a bit out of my depth. Mm, yes. And today we're speaking actually of the Panhellenic Conference. The Panhellenic oh, Council. God. The Panhellenic Council is the body that oversees black Greek organizations. Ah, uh, yes. Historically black nine. Greek organization. Yes. I am more than ready for the job. Gamazai, grab a thigh. It's not four years, it's for life. Sister, let's go. Oh my God. <laughs> let's go. I am getting ahead of myself here. To start, uh, here's an OOTD, the OOTD. The outfit of the day video, <laughs> an outfit of the day video from some potential new members. That's PNM in uh, recruitment speak who are midway through rush or recruitment. That's official jargon for what you and me and everyone in the world who watched Greek on ABC family know as rush. Uh, they're, they are students at the university of Alabama. Uh, and what they do in these videos, which are going increasingly viral the women, they line up and then they do what we did at the top of the episode. They name drop where all of their items of clothing are from and then they move on to the next woman in the line. Sisterhood day two, we're doing another OOTD. My dress is from a boutique in Georgia. My butterfly necklace is Kendra Scott. My smiley face necklace is from an Instagram boutique. I'm not sure where my earrings are from. Um, all of my bracelets are Brex. And again, I don't know where my shoes are from. There are so many of these videos. And if you watch one, you're about to see a hundred more. A lot of them mention something called the pants store. Ugh, the pants store. Honestly, bit of a misnomer. They don't only sell pants. There's another phrase you hear a lot in these videos where the women touch their necklaces or earrings or bracelets and say, jewelry is normal, meaning like this is what I wear every day, which just sticks out to me very comically. Yeah, because it's all like, 14 karat gold and... Oh, we'll get into it. <laughs> um, we'll save the class analysis for later. <laughs> each one of these outfits is specifically crafted and chosen per a strict set of guidelines. The Alabama Panhellenic chapter has a 110-page instruction manual uh, for the 2020 recruitment process, 2021 recruitment process. 110? That's a novella. Yes, I read it all. Wow. A colleague She's of learned. ours... She's a scholar. <laughs> A colleague of ours actually messaged me to say that when she was considering rushing at Alabama, she was so freaked out by the guidebook she was sent that she ultimately didn't rush at all. Fair. Valid. I understand her. The thing is, again, being from the South, specifically Texas, Dallas-Fort Worth area, the specificity of Southern feminine fashion in these videos is somewhat um, triggering to me. It's just all so intimately familiar the smocked waist, the ruffles, the big-ass fabric and or gym earrings, the cork or rattan, wedge heels, everything's in pastel or soft jewel tones or nude, nude being white people nude. We'll get into that. These OOTD videos have actually gotten so prevalent that they've spawned very, very funny parodies where TikTok is, you know, other TikTok users are skewering what one might call a basic white girl. Okay, here is my OOTD for Rush Day 1. My shoes are Doc Martens. My earring is a lizard. My IUD is Kylina. And I stole this dress in a grave robbery. <laughs> my earring is a lizard. <laughs> 
That's not sorority culture. That's just lesbian culture. Um, Iconic. So the quick and dirty version of the experience these women are going through. They spend a week wearing these outfits to day-long events. Many of them move to campus early just for this. So first up, you have Open House, where they will watch videos from each sorority to get a sense of the fit. Uh, These this year are being done via Zoom, because that's going to stop the pandemic. Wait, only this day is being done via Zoom? Oh, yeah, the rest of it's in person. Um keep going i no question i have is going to be answered our right feeling now. on vaccines are, are very well established on this Get podcast vaccinated. next up you have philanthropy uh you can clock a philanthropy day outfit very easily because that is the day where the women will be in shorts uh, it's also the day where they walk up to the camera and they go my shirt is from bama or my shirt is from panhellenic or my personal favorite my shirt is the one they gave us I owe today for Rush Round 1, Philanthropy. So I'm wearing Pants Store. This is the t-shirt that they gave us to wear today. And I'm wearing these white heels. While we're here, Rachel, do you know what a philanthropy day entails at a sorority recruitment? It's like a, a day of service, right? Like you do stuff for the community. What? It's a day where you talk about the stuff that a given sorority does for the community. But no actual philanthropy occurs on that day. <laughs> time i always thought that it's so nice that they build in a day of service into recruitment week no they don't you're gonna meet some members and you're gonna ask them about the volunteering they do but you will not do any volunteering on this day in your shorts wow okay what yeah why do they okay anyway keep going (laughs) next up is sisterhood that's a fancier dress and heels though they recommend bringing flip-flops to wear to walk between the houses And during this, it's like a 40-minute party. You can go to up to seven at Bama. And during these events, sisters are assigned behind the scenes to potential new members to, like, come up and talk to you and ask you specific questions. Everything is highly orchestrated. Like, no woman talks to another woman organically. This assignment process can actually get um, a little bit, I'm going to describe it as hazy, as in hazing. Here's an example of that. Sometimes one sorority girl can start a rumor about somebody, it can be true or it cannot be true, and get her blacklisted from every single sorority. One uh, particularly sort of crazy story I heard about that was um, a girl while she was in high school hooked up with a guy who was a couple years older and she did not know he had a girlfriend. Now, when you're going through sorority recruitment, it feels like the girls that you're talking to who are already in the sorority are just random, but they're not. They've been paired with you specifically. Anyway, so this girl who was going through recruitment had hooked up with this guy, not knowing he had a girlfriend. And then whenever she went through recruitment, um, the girl that was the girlfriend of the guy intentionally paired herself with that potential new member. And she just stared at her for the whole party. Isn't that wild? Dramatic. And then finally, you get to preference or pref, uh, which is you can go to like a maximum of two houses. If you get invited to pref at a house, it means that sorority is really, really considering taking you. It's also where you fill out the um, MRABA, <laughs> the Membership Recruitment Acceptance Binding Agreement. It says that should we take you, you're in. And by the way, that means you're in for everything in our rule book, what it costs, academic obligations, the whole kit and caboodle. And that, uh, on average, a new member cost for a sorority in Alabama is $4,100. And the average cost of living in a sorority house there is about $7,000. Who? After all that, you finally get to bid day, which is, if you're lucky and haven't been cut, like many of these women have throughout this process, uh, you get a bid. You get invited to join a sorority. You uh, run, literally run, across campus to uh, find out which house is your new home. 
I think we should probably pause and say that a lot of women do get a lot out of being in sororities. I was one of them for a time. I got friendship and support and yeah, I was actually a menace. They used to make us do study halls where we would like get together and do our homework to like keep the sorority GPA up, but I just sort of would terrorize them and dick around. Uh, you? <laughs> but for some people, terrorize people, dick I just around, to hang out. What? Just wanted to hang out. I'm shocked. <laughs> I mean, Madison, I think you. I mean, you obviously got a lot out of being in a sorority. I personally think all sororities should be abolished. I think all Greek life should be abolished. I would not argue against that. I would be all in favor. Okay, just making sure we're on the same page here. No, no, I think no, that are. it is a deeply racist, sexist, classist, misogynistic institution that has put more harm into the world than good. I wouldn't disagree. Not even a little bit. <laughs> I just wanted to take a take a brief pause and say that like you can hold you can hold a thing in both hands, and I think involving a lot of, because especially the the sexism inherent in talking about sorority TikTok and Bama Rush TikTok. It's so easy to shit on basic girls when the core of it, if you remove the nuance, which obviously is what we're going to get into is like, I am seeking community and support for the rest of my life, which at its heart, not toxic. Yeah. It's just everything else around it. And that's where we're headed. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I definitely understand what you're saying. A lot of the elements of why Bama Rush have gone viral on TikTok is this kind of gawking at a specific culture and the specific Southerness of it. Because I went to a non-Southern university. I went to Northwestern University. 60% of the university is involved in Greek life. We had a recruitment period. It was as intense as this is. And I don't think that it would go viral in the same way, not least because the women taking part in it don't embody this kind of stereotype of a kind of femininity that is easy to make fun of online. And so I don't particularly enjoy the fact that a lot of people watching this are people from the North who think it's easy to point at the South as uniquely bad and uniquely embodying all these bad elements in these very traditional institutions. Yeah, we got gender binary up here too, man. Yeah, I was like, this same shit happens on all your fucking Northern elite campuses. And just because you may not have Greek houses, I know for a fact that some of the most elite universities at Ivy League colleges have things called dining clubs that are basically like fucking Greek systems. So please chill the fuck out with your weird classism. (laughs) So these women have become TikTok characters in a sort of, Internet drama. I can only assume we'll have a Netflix special a la Cheer by like next year. Oh God, I hope so. (laughs) But they have. They've become characters, people who we know by name. Like, hang in there, Allie. I'm rooting for you and your distressingly raspy vocal cords. Please get checked for nodes. (laughs) It's extremely stressful for these women who, you know, sorority culture, especially at a school like Alabama, runs deep and runs generationally. You know, there is familial pressure to get into the right society. There is social pressure. These events that we just described get increasingly more selective. So fewer and fewer women will be invited. And I actually found this TikTok from a person who worked as an RA at Alabama during recruitment and said that on the backside, RAs get lists of the women as they're cut so that they can go like do checks on them specifically. You're not seeing the fact that whenever girls start getting dropped, their RAs get lists with their name on them. 
and it's like you need to go check on this girl to make sure she's not going to self-harm or like drink herself into a coma or overdose on pills or commit suicide and like it's serious the emotional investment that goes into rush at alabama probably other southern schools as well but i just nope alabama of course it's wild i mean i was also an ra again at a school where greek life was very important but also a school where academics were incredibly important and as an ra i was told to choose recruitment week as people were starting to get dropped with as much care as I was told to treat finals week. If that gives you kind of any idea of how emotional it gets at a non-Southern university. Yeah, I mean, like we've been talking about, right, is you add, you start to add all these layers and details on top of like seeking sisterhood and it just starts to feel more and more toxic. And it it felt toxic from the beginning, not gonna lie. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) like a Britney Spears song. That is a very, very, extremely real short crash course in recruitment. My sincere apologies to any of our listeners who went through recruitment at a school like Bama. Uh, Please don't come for me. Come for me, I'll fucking fight you. (laughs) Yeah, you can come for me, I'm up for it. Uh, So that means now that you're through the course, it's time for a pop quiz. In what year did Alabama sororities officially desegregate? Oh God. Noodle on that while we take a quick break. Don't Google it, no cheating. Tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yes, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by Sax.com. At Sax.com, it's easy to find your new vibe. Dive into the Western trend with gold cowboy boots from Stott. Or go full 90s throwback with platforms from Prada. You can shop for everything on your agenda. Whether it's a breezy Zimmerman dress for garden party or a bright Chloe blazer for brunch. Find inspiration for your new vibe. Every day at Sax.com. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble, with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Okay, we are back. Uh, I hope you didn't Google and lose all faith in humanity before we could, uh, well, do it for you. If you guessed the year that the University of Alabama sororities integrated was 2013, you guessed correctly. And I did not, because the fact (laughs) that these sororities integrated after a black man was elected president not once, but twice, was not on my fucking bingo card. And again, I lived in the South for majority of my adolescence. I didn't think anything could shock me. And yet... And it really only happened because a black high school salutatorian with a 4.3 GPA, who, you know, on paper, should have been a perfect 
fit for any freaking sorority. She was everything a sorority would want. And yet she was denied membership to all 16 sororities on campus. And according to members of the sororities at the time, that was not because of what the actual membership wanted. It was due to the interference of alumni and advisors, a.k.a. the adults in the room. (laughs) This story uh, broke in the Alabama campus newspaper. Shout out student journalists, the real MVPs of pretty much every story in September of 2013. And it opened the school up to nationwide criticism. It was so intense that they, uh, in a very uncharacteristic move, they reopened the bidding process. After all of this national attention, a few black women are eventually offered bids in that reopened process. And that makes them the first in the school's 110 year history to break that racial barrier. Once again, this is in the year 2013. If you also like to do math, that was eight years ago. Like Wrecking Ball by Miley Cyrus had just come out. Honestly, while that really did place me at a moment and a time. Sarah Bareilles just wants to see you be brave. If you say what you Oh, God, you know they fucking played that song as they let these black women into the sorority. Just like, yeah, we're brave. Well, it was that or what does the fox say? Man, I remember a lot about the year 2013. <laughs> yeah, what's this going was my on se- This was my senior year of college, so okay. these, are the, these are the songs. Okay, 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 fine. So that's a little bit on the racism baked into Greek life and Bama Rush talk. Let's shift a little bit and talk about the classism that we're also seeing inherently in these TikToks. We've talked a little bit about the cost of what it is to be in a sorority, you know, the thousands of dollars to live in the house, to pay your new membership fees, your dues. You know, that's sort of like the the top level costs. But what you're wearing costs money. What you're going to costs money. What you're drinking costs money. Spring break trips cost money. There's a phrase in those videos that's becoming a little bit (laughs) i can't stop but it's become a little bit of a meme so much so that southern prep preferred jewelry brand uh kendra scott is now using it to in their videos to sell shit like that's that's when you know something's become a meme when the brands have found it oh god that phrase is of course as we mentioned jewelry is normal or jewelry regular Hi, my name's Nicole. This is Sisterhood Day 2. Dress, altered state, badge, and necklace from Pi-Fi. Shoes, Lena's, hopefully I didn't flash my cooter, hair, curled, jewelry, normal. These women are saying that in part because if you do a lot of OOTD content, the people who regularly view it aren't necessarily going to want to hear over and over again where the rings you never take off are from. But in watching these TikToks, you start to realize that jewelry is normal has a second underlying meaning. A lot of the, the, the togs they're sporting are fast fashion, and that adds up to an environmental and a fiscal cost, sure. But jewelry is normal. <laughs> it's like this weird code for the normal gold stuff I wear every day. And that right there, I feel like we could have a whole episode just about jewelry is normal. I've been thinking about it for days. Yeah, we can have a dissertation about the fact that what adds up to hundreds of thousands of dollars of gold jewelry is kind of just casually tossed off as normal. And also paired with clothes from Shein, the mix and match here, fascinating to me. Shein, if you're uh, not a TikTok OOTD regular, is a 
I believe based out of China, fast fashion retailer where you click to order things and say a prayer that what arrives will um, in fact be the size, shape and color it was promised and not like a dress for a doll. And by order things, I mean $10 for a dress, $3 for a shirt, $6 for a skirt, all new, which means that if you are being sold that at that price, somebody somewhere is getting exploited. And here's a TikTok from a Bama Rush voyeur like myself, uh, who has some really, some really good thoughts on, on the classism that we're witnessing. Greek life is apparently classes because it costs so much money to be a part of it. Dues are expensive. But no one also takes into account the amount that the social aspect of Greek life costs. From date parties to formals to trips, it adds up, which disproportionately affects low-income people. As a result, you don't see a lot of economic diversity in Panhellenic or IFC organizations. You know what you also don't see a lot of? Racial and ethnic diversity. I mean, as that video details, There are a lot of just isms underlying sorority recruitment, sororities in general, specifically Southern ones. And I think one of the main questions we've gotten in doing this episode is, why is this taking over my FYP? Why are so many people interested in it? Because of the people who are in it, but also because people who are watching it like to pretend that it is a problem isolated to the South. And again, as someone who both grew up in the South and then went to a PWI in the Midwest, I can assure you it's fucking not. (laughs) PWI is a predominantly white institution. And the thing is, maybe Northwestern integrated their sororities quicker than Alabama did, but perhaps one Black girl would get in per rush class, per sorority, and almost without exception, within two years would have stopped paying dues because of how toxic that environment is. And the gawking element of looking at Bama Rush and saying, look at these women, look at these accents, look at this very specific kind of femininity, look at how toxic it is. This is white feminism. This exists everywhere. And isolating the systemic issues that Rush is built on to the South absolves everyone and every other place that is complicit in these exact same issues. Again, I'm looking at you fucking Princeton and Harvard with your fucking dining clubs. Like, just because you don't have Greek life doesn't mean you don't have these same structures. Picking up a thread you were talking about, about how this has gone viral, specifically on TikTok, this trend is like so many other things we've seen blow up in the app, right? It boils down to whiteness, to wealthiness, and to thinness, and to your proximity to those three things. Yeah, I mean, someone in my mentions when I said that we're doing an episode about this said, I have seen one black girl, one redhead, and one plus-size girl in my hours on Bama Rush Talk, even scouring the crowd. So not even just looking at the people posting videos, but looking at the people in the background of those videos. We've talked before about how the algorithm was was built to center and elevate those things, and and here is where we're seeing it again. Uh, But this also comes back to the idea of how did we all end up trapped in Bama Rush Talk? You you didn't, right, Rachel? Like, you had to seek it out. Yeah, no, I didn't really know about this until people started asking my mentions, until you brought it up. And I think it's because for so many people who aren't part of this world or were never part of this world, it's just fun to watch a universe that for you might as well be Mars. But the truth is, it's on your FYP because your algorithm 
was trained to show you what you want or what you have demonstrated that you wanted to see. Getting trapped on Bama Rush TikTok probably means that you have proximity to thinness, whiteness, wealthiness, or a desire for it, or a fascination with it. Here's an admittedly very funny video from a white woman who is trapped in Bama Rush Talk and has become obsessed with the characters and with following along with the quote-unquote drama. Is anybody else way too old and has too many kids to be this invested in Bama Rush TikTok? Like if Katie does not get the Delta Zeta bid, she is going to be devastated. And Zoe continuing to act like she's not going to get Kyo, even though she's a triple legacy. And Allie, she deserves that KD bid, but I really think she has a tryout bid coming and I just don't know if she wants it. All of this has been making me think about a piece by writer Rebecca Jennings that ran in Vox a few weeks ago about how TikTok's biggest stars are TikTok's biggest stars because they're bland and mediocre. My apologies to the Demelios and rays of the world. But that's what we're seeing here. Rush by design isn't about standing out. It's about establishing yourself within a strict set of standards and strictures and hemlines and about looking and acting great while also looking and acting exactly like everyone else around you. If that isn't a perfect metaphor for TikTok, for social media in general, then I don't know what is. So as you're seeing these TikToks come across your feed, Please enjoy them. We have enjoyed them. We have enjoyed the parody. We have enjoyed the original. (laughs) This is not to suck the joy out of something that is ultimately supposed to be, I think, fun, right? Theoretically. Doesn't seem fun to me. Seems like blisters and sweat. But let that little voice in your head be an East Tennessee accent interrogating why these are coming across your feet in the first place. And with that, my shirt is from Shein. My jewelry, normal. My sense of skepticism about everything on the internet. Well, that's from ICYMI. All right, that's the show. We will be back in your feed on Wednesday, so definitely subscribe. It's free and the best way to make sure you never miss an episode. Uh, by then, Allie and Michaela and Bonnie Ray, Hannah Grace, Georgia, Susanna, Tessie will all have their bids, hopefully, and we can sleep better knowing that. Leave us a rating and a review in Apple Podcasts and tell your sisters about us. You can follow us on Twitter. We're at ICYMI underscore pod, which is also where you can DM us your questions frantically like, oh my God, you have to cover Bama Rush Talk. Again, thank you to everyone who did that. Of course, you can also always send us an email. We are ICYMI at slate.com. Who knows? We might just have you on the show if you can make it through recruitment. ICYMI is produced by Daniel Schrader. Our supervising producer is Derek John. Forrest Wickman and Allegra Frank are our editors. And Gabe Broth is editorial director of audio. See online. Or at a sorority house. All of this is making me think about um, Rejecca... Rejecca Bennings. (laughs) (laughs) It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. 
Hi, this is Dahlia Lithwick, host of Slate's legal podcast, Amicus. If you're listening to this show, you might be interested in Amicus's live show that we're hosting in Washington, D.C. on Tuesday, May the 14th. My colleague, Mark Joseph Stern, and I will be talking to some amazing guests, including Sherilyn Eiffel and a sitting state Supreme Court justice all about how originalism, a relatively recently invented way of interpreting the Constitution, has taken over the Supreme Court and radically reshaped the law. It's been doctrinal rocket fuel for the conservative legal movement and facilitated the rolling back of abortion rights, the expansion of gun rights, and the obliteration of the separation of church and state. And as another wildly consequential Supreme Court term careers to its end, the court's originalists are on a tear. But there's something you can do about it. And we hope you'll join us in D.C. on May 14th to explore the possible pathways out of the current situation. Go to slate.com slash amicus live for tickets. <laughs> 